Hello. Hello. Industry. Industry. Hi everybody and welcome back to Industry Tactics. I'm your loyal host, Friendly Rich, and honored today to have episode 90 with my dear friend Greg Gerg Dawson, the producer, the musician, and uh, and so much more, and uh, the dear friend. And what a pleasure to uh, to unpack his career and all of the work that he's done in music, uh, notably the heavier stuff with bands like Monine, Alexis on Fire, Panzerfaust, Mar, so many, so many. So we get into it. Buckle up, full, chock full of of, of tactics. This is a, such a, a great honor to have Greg Dawson on the podcast today. here with producer musician metal mogul what do you call yourself uh those things except for the uh, metal mogul i've never used that yeah no that well that's a that's a freebie you can uh, moving forward gerg greg gerg dawson hi 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 rich nice to hear from you yeah from we're going uh, across province here to record this yeah eastern ontario yeah it's great to see you. Yeah, you as well. Thanks for uh, having me. We go way back. You're, uh, maybe the first question is, when did Gerg come, come around in your life? When did you become Gerg? Oh, uh, early 90s. It was just wow. messing around in the basement, um, you know, doing uh, four-track recordings. And, and we're just throwing around nicknames, you know, back in the kind of early metal days yeah and greg backwards just stuck greg backwards oh man did you not even not even come on that no has ever <laughs> did, did everyone know everyone knew oh i feel so dumb right now that's nah, okay greg gerg Doss. wow okay it's just greg backwards i'm it's, embarrassed frank, frank barone uh, came up with that, and it just stuck. His didn't stick because it was Canarf, which is cool. Canarf, yeah. Canarf, right? Canarf is pretty good, but Gerd. Yeah. Oh, I honestly, I never saw it that way until right now today. That's exciting. I'm glad yeah. I asked. Yeah, sure. 
So we're going to go down memory lane here. I want to kind of, and it's episode 90 of Industry Tactics. Shame on me for, I mean, you were on the, uh, I feel like I spoke to you before on this podcast because we talked about the Great Blue Heron recording and and Mm -hmm. your contribution to that, but we didn't actually have a proper chat. And you've been on my mind a lot lately as we've been in these COVID times to talk about your career and and how, how, how far it spans and where it's taking you. So, so I want to kind of dig into that today. And that's, that's an exciting, it's going to be an exciting journey for me to just listen and hopefully learn some new things apart from the origins of Gerg. <laughs> Happy to chat about it. Thanks, man. Thanks for, for making time. Um, of course. So tell me, like, when did you kind of get hooked on, when did you get into music? When did you get hooked into it? <clears throat> Well, uh, as far as recording, um, or just more in general, like when you started loving, I'm assuming you fell in love with metal and, and the dark side, like when did that happen? Well, it wasn't so dark, but I, I, I think my first, uh, you know, hearing April wine, (laughs) (laughs) April wine, uh, harder, faster, the song I like to rock. So I went. I walked down to the Bramley City Center to here we go to Sam the Record Man to buy mm-hmm. a record. It was uh, I was 10, 1979, I think. And then I saw a car on a album cover, and I'm like, "Well, I, I, I'm buying that because wow. it has a car on it." And I'm I'm 10, and I took it home, and the first the the first song. It's called I Like to Rock, and it starts with this. That's fading in, and and immediately I was like, well, what is this? What is this sound I'm hearing, and how do I hear more of it? Beautiful. And that was, I think, the beginning of, you know, hearing palm-muted guitars and tight, you know, distortion and just being, and just falling in love with it. And then it, you know, just kind of exploded from there, and, so you know, 79 you're you're 10 years old does that april wine slowly kind of morph into like just heavier like do you heavier, just keep... heavier yeah like that was just the beginning of of hearing palm muting and distortion you know and and yeah. just that thing that jigga 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 yeah. and uh then it just kind of uh it blew up from there you know hearing a finding acdc and black sabbath and then and then somewhere in the early eighties, um, you know, the hearing like Metallica and Slayer yeah. and Venom and just being what, what that, what the hell is this? Like, this is, this is what I, and I'm still listening to those records now, you know, once in a while. Nice. But yeah, that was, that was, I guess the birth of the, the love of metal. What, which, which records like, like top three would have changed your life and kind of made you sign up to, 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 for, to be Gerg? Oh, uh, I, I think, uh, Metallica ride the lightning. Oh yeah. Um, Metallica kill them all. Slayer hell awaits. And then like just seeing early Venom videos, cause it was like, you know, videos were really new in the early eighties. And then, seeing these these venom videos and these guys like with all the you know the 
the big nails and the, the studs and the leather and just being like, what the, and Judas Priest too, very important yeah. band. I, I can't forget Judas Priest, maybe the most important band actually, yeah. because that was the first stuff I played on guitar. Okay. Judas Priest and, and that was maybe where I was like, well, this, you know, I went from, this is what I want to listen to, to this is what I want to play, you know? This and when do you get, how old are you? How old are you when you get into guitar? 15. 15, eh? Wow. 15, wow. Uh, 1984. The... So you're in, you're in, you're almost in high school. You're in high school by then, are you? Or you're, I, you're... I, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Grade yeah. nine. Yeah. Grade nine. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Wow. So hearing Judas Priest, Defenders of the Faith, and, and my good friend, uh, Sean Black, um, introducing me to the guitar and Judas Priest, and then teaching me some riffs, some real basic riffs, and where do you go to high school? Where did you, where did you go to high school? In North Park, Park and and then North Peel. North Park until what grade? Ten, and, and then North Peel, which is for those listeners who aren't um, fully immersed in Brampton culture, is a is more like a technical trade school, right? Yeah, vocational school. Vocational, which, which was good for me at the time. Yeah, it was great for me at the time because I, I I had my I had some some problems, you know. I yeah, a, I was a bit of a badass. Okay, and okay. Uh, that was just better suited for me, uh, especially the the music program there. And uh, you know, Ken Harris, Mister Harris. Yeah. Okay, teacher. so my mom, my mom. I'm really glad to hear you say Ken Harris because my mom was the the attend the oh what was her role? She was like the one of the uh, administrators. Okay. So she was like an attendance secretary at North Peel. So you would have been crossing paths with my mom when you were in grade like 11 and 12 if you were like truant, which I assume you weren't. But like if you were late for class uh, and she would, <laughs> she would always speak about Ken, ha Ken Harris. Great teacher, man. Yeah? A big influence for me. Just... Um, he was super supportive of, you know, my love of music and yep. always welcomed me. I would skip other classes and go into his class and he would welcome me. That's beautiful to hear. Yeah. So, That's yeah, what you need. Yeah. He kind of, he kind of fed that, that fire, you know? So I, uh, I give him a lot of credit for being a super positive role model and supporting, you know, what, I, what I was into, you know, the music and, and just being in his class a lot, skipping yeah. other classes to go into his class. Oh, be so. beautiful. That sounds like you really were latching on to, to music, right? Um, yeah, so does, sure. when you were at North Park, were there any other, you were getting into music at that time? Was it more like friend to friend getting you into it at that point? And then yeah, it was, it was you met Mr. Harris? Me, uh, myself and Sean Black in his bedroom, okay. noodling, you know, on yeah. his guitar and his old trainer amp and, and it was just the introduction to just kind of even picking up a guitar, you know, yep. and yep. bring that. You know, I'm, I'm really interested in that. And I don't know, um, I kind of do want to talk to you about your music education and, and kind of how you fostered who you are, who you are today. You know, like the, those early, like it sounds like Ken Harris was a great influence and that really warms my heart because my mom always used to talk about how how nice a man he was and, oh, and so how, nice. how much he cared for the kids, you know? So that's so nice, nice to hear. Yeah. 
Yeah. So he was one of your early, early teachers. He made a real impact. Did he play? Was he a guitarist? He was a guitarist, right? Yeah. Yeah. He, he's a bit of a multi uh, instrumentalist, okay. you know, like, but yeah, he's a guitar player, singer. Okay. But yeah, I think he played a little bit, bit of piano as well. And were you like bringing him in like Metallica, Kill 'Em All, saying, I want to learn the intro to Hit the Lights? That would really make my day or what? Like, were you sharing uh, some of that stuff with him? No, I, I, you know, I can't remember, to be you honest. You kept that to yourself, probably, yeah. Probably, yeah, yeah. probably. Yeah, it was, uh, you know. That's a long back time Back in ago. those days, you were a little bit of uh, a serious outcast, mm. kind of being into that stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. We had our little group of people that were into the kind of extreme metal, but uh, it was a small, small group of people, you know. And then what? And then what? So you're like, what happens after that? You go to, you leave North Peel, you finish, and then how, how does it? How does it all happen? How does it come together? Because you've had an incredible ride to get you to the chair that you're in right now, where I see you today. For sure, yeah. Well, just numerous bands, numerous, you know, jamming in the jam rooms in the basements and playing shows and just creating and four track recording and. Uh, what was your first band? Well, like, what were some of your first early memory bands that 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 got you into this life? Well, there was a band I was in called Sweetgrass, which was okay. uh, kind of a uh, a rock, jazz, progressive, weird thing. So I was playing with these kind of heavier heavier players, like guys that were really trained, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I was just kind of this rock guitar player that, that could shred a bit. And uh, so they just kind of helped me with the, you know, I guess, you know, I was more of an ear player, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Okay. So we did okay. this kind of progressive thing and somehow my style of playing uh, fit. It was a bit of an oddball band, but it was super fun. That's where I met Frank Barone. Oh, Nice. So you go back with uh, Narf, Barone. Narf. Maybe it'll stick now after, after like, what, is it 30 years or more? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's, a, wow. it's around 30 years. It's, it's crazy. That's exciting to hear, man. I love these relationships that span over, over decades. And, and, I mean, I know that's kind of what we got cooking too, but that's really yeah. exciting to hear that you and Frank go back that long. So he's yeah, drumming. Awesome. He's drumming in that band in Sweetgrass. He was drumming in that band. Yeah, yeah. He was a weapon. I mean, he still is a weapon, but he doesn't yeah. play as as often anymore. Sure, sure. Yeah, no. He he. Uh, it was a weird band because we have a you know like a a guy who's a jazz bass player and then a kind of more of a conservatory rock guitar player and then me, metalhead, bedroom shredder, and then Frank Barone total genesis progressive rock yeah, guy yeah, and yeah somehow it all worked and we made this sort of weird music we we played a ton yeah we played played a where ton. like rivoli. Where? the rivoli was one of our oh, oh. you know the rivoli the horseshoe the elma combo what was that like those early days of just going down to toronto for shows great like, exciting exciting oh, yeah exciting. yeah you're, you know, you're young and you're just full of, uh, you know, fire. You're, full, yeah. you're so stoked and you're just like, you, you go and play in front of 50 people, you're, your mind is blown, you know? It's yeah. great. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. 
And I love how kind of naive it is because you've never experienced this before. So you have nothing to kind of compare it, compare it to, you know? Yeah. 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 We did the Brampton. Uh, we did Brampton quite a bit too. Uh, I can't, there was places we played that are just closed down now. Sure. Sure. We'd have to, we'd have to call on a lifeline to get the, some of those yeah. details, right? Yeah, daily. <laughs> Shout out to Matt Daly, our, our yeah. mutual uh, great friend. Yeah. Um, so, so from there, you, what, where, you, you continue working with Frank, at least, in, in other yeah. bands, right? Yeah. Uh, we ended up kind of doing a uh, rap metal thing for years. Mm-hmm. And that's where kind of, um, you know, things morphed into recording because we were recording our own demos and they were turning out pretty good. I had an eight-track cassette recorder and I was doing some demos with uh, Steve Donahoe. Okay. And this is where it all changed gears into recording. Okay. Uh, not that playing music stopped. It's just that. Yeah, it never has. But yeah, yeah. But at the time, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to play music forever. This is like what I want to do. This is who I am. That's what, Yeah. That was the life goal was to kind of be a musician. Right on. And uh, so Steve Donahoe had gone to Harris for the music engineering, I guess, course or whatever. And, and then he started working at a place called Harlow Sound. Okay. In Brampton. Um, in, in Etobicoke. In Etobicoke, okay. Etobicoke, yeah. Yeah. Etobicoke-ish. So okay. he had, uh, we had done a, a ton of eight-track recording and, and messing around. And anyway, he called me in to just help him one one weekend he was recording a metal band and he's like hey man like you got to help me get some good guitar tones like these guys that the guys he was working with it just it didn't have good gear they didn't have good guitar tones so i brought in my my amps my cabs my pedals my guitars yeah. and just work the weekend just kind of assisting him just helping him get good guitar tones uh-huh. and that was it man that was like the seed was planted and it was it was on and and so he just kept inviting me back to help him with stuff and assist and i and love it I just kind of he started paying me and then was that his studio that was no a guy named greg english owns okay. Okay. Sound. It's still still going actually oh great so he, so he was just working out of there and he would call you on different projects he was kind of producing them yeah he was doing live sound at the elmo and he oh, okay. was meeting bands there meeting punk and metal bands and then recording demos and CDs and, uh, at Harlow Sound. So he so was calling sounds- me just, just, just to help. And then, and then just over time, next thing you know, I was just going in there by myself, you know? So it, it took, that took a, about a year or so before I started, you know, going in there without him. But it eventually... I- what, what was the project that you went in solo? Because that's essentially one of your first recordings that you're putting your stamp on, right? Yeah, that's a you good remember? Um, I don't know the actual first. Wow. One, but I, okay. I know, I remember doing the very first Monine EP, Smaller Chairs. Okay, so the, these, are, these are connections that you already have, because I'm, I'm really interested in that too, right? Like you're, because you talk about Steve going to, like meeting bands through his work in live sound. Yes. And that's an interesting, like, um, flow. Like that's a that's a sustainable model. It's like, hey, I'm working nights a lot of the time in this in this venue. 
Yeah. I can suss out and kind of give people my contact info. And you've told me in the past, just recently, actually, that that's how you used to get a lot of business is just through being at gigs, going on seeing the bands afterwards and saying, Hey man, I'd love to record you. Yes. That's really interesting. But you had these early relationships and one of your early relationships is with Monine, I guess, Kenny and, and all those guys. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that was one of the, your first projects that you would have brought into Harlow Sound. Yes. Yeah. That on my own. Like I, cause awesome. I remember, I remember still being a little green. No doubt. You know, going in there. Cause I, I remember phoning Steve and having some technical questions and still needing his help with it. Did you have of, an engineer in that Monine session? No. When you were engineering. When I worked, yeah. We, we okay. were just kind of, it was just us. Okay. Wow. Well, so that, yeah, man, that must've been some, uh, something a little anxiety or i imagine a little bit of nerves there like going in there not not really you know what i mean with your friends trusting you i think that's a nice a great yeah. way to start it, but yeah the, the anxiety was was different back then because because there's you're so fired up and and there's a, a level of ignorance so you're just kind of like let's do this you know like you're not you're you're way less scared like i get more scared now about things far out that's you know? so interesting. The anxiety was different back then. Yeah, it was way lower. Wow. Yeah, because uh, there's, I think it's just the just the the ignorance of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just going in and being like, oh, we're going to do this. It's going to be fucking great, you know? Yeah. Uh, we're, we'll figure it out. Let's do it. You know what I mean? Rather than now, it- I would be like, I'd be more like, well, geez, what if what if what if this what happened? if but what, have you ever if? like yeah. I, I think your fear though you're talking a little bit of the, of the the fear of like what's at stake have you ever had a project just like go off the rails where it's a disaster that you had to hit delete on it and it never came out uh yeah yeah there can't be there can't be many no what the the, the one project <laughs> i'm thinking of and and i and i won't no need to name names yeah yeah uh, i don't even think they are a band anymore but this was yeah. at harlow sound and and i guess the band and this is before my communication with bands was really good like i'm really good at communicating and yeah and just putting everything out in front so everyone knows what's going to happen knows how i like to do things knows yeah. Yeah. good communication yeah so we would just be like yeah you want to come and record okay let's go that was the communication yeah, so okay. these guys decided, oh, they're going to bring buddies there and they're fucking getting drunk. Yeah. And then yeah. their buddies coming into the control room shit faced and just being okay. trying to have an opinion on how things should be going. And I just wanted to smash them all. You know, like I was yeah. very, very upset with these guys. Uh huh. They're just getting wasted and inviting all their buddies in the studio. And I, that's one thing. But at the end of the night, I found smashed beer bottles on the road out in front of the studio. Oh God. Okay. So I was like, you know what? I, you know, I'm done with these kids. And at the time we were on, we were recorded on tape, digital tape, D88s, Tascam D88s, high eight tapes. So we had finished the drums on day one and I decided fuck these guys. They can take their tapes and suck it. So (laughs) I had, I had called a couple of friends of mine, big, big, big boys from the band Vicious Fear. Big there you go. guys. Big okay. dudes. <laughs> okay. I'm like, listen, I, a band is coming in today and I'm going to tell them to take their tapes and get the fuck out of here because they're getting hammered and smashing beer bottles 
in front of the on the road in front of the studio and yeah. it was it was in a residential area right yeah yeah so they came in and they were just kind of just there as a presence yeah I, smart move comes in the five guys come in i'm like here's your tapes guys thank you they gave me my the 300 bucks whatever we charge for the day yeah and then they, oh, did, they, they did they know did they know that, that to expect this that that that's why they had the 300 bucks it's like hey i want to sign off on this we, we're gonna part ways. they had an idea because i was like bring okay. the money for yesterday and okay uh, good for you i i want that sounds smart though like 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 i'm talking like when we talk about oh the anxiety was different back then um it doesn't sound like you've ever had it what i kind of meant there that that sounds that's a beautiful story yeah um okay. of just signing off on like we're done, but this is basically on my principles that we're done. Like I, I not, not that, I mean like based on like the, the fear, I think we, we often might have going into a new project where there's so much unknown is, mm-hmm. oh, this is going to flop and it's my, it's on me that it flopped. Like that was a, you made that choice and it sounds like a wise one to let uh, the beer boys kind of go their way. But it's like, Absolutely. you know, like I'm talking, due to some kind of a you know miss on your end or like a, a, a you know inadequacy on your end i don't think i don't think i don't think there would be a glaring no uh, not you know I what i mean like no. yeah and and that's kind of where i'm at with it is like it's it's nice to hear that you were like um with monine in that first project or one of those early projects just like kind of kind of fearless going into it. You had their trust. So you were, you were pals with those guys before you went in to record then, eh? Yeah. We had done demos in the past with, wow. with Kenny's band, perfectly normal, which. Oh yeah. Right. It's kind of Monine ish, you know? Okay. So I, hey, I, what, why don't we, why don't we play one of those tracks from that first, what's the first album that you recorded at Harlow with Monine? Uh, smaller chairs. Yeah, smaller chairs. We'll go with that. And, and there's something else. It's a long title. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, do you remember the name of a of a track from from that from that record? But uh. <laughs> this is awesome. What I'm loving so far is it's all foggy up in Gerg's head right now. Okay, right, never mind. No, he's, no, he's it. not. No, he's not. We're just gonna we're gonna play a selection from. Just play that. Play that. Yeah. Play the Here's first the opening. Song. The opening. Track. I know the riff. I. Uh, <laughs> You have riff memory, not 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 uh, not, not, not names, not word, eh? Word okay, good, good, even better.
So that was we just heard uh, the o- the opening track from Monin's first record that that they did with Gerg back at Harlow Sound. Yeah, and uh, yeah. you want to talk about those sessions, like what that was like? Fast, you know, it was like I think we mm. did it, and like I think we did that record in in three days. Yeah, and it was you know how we did stuff back then was we would record. Uh, drums, bass, and one guitar track live. You know, it just that's yeah. how it was. And then we would, because we had uh, we had a drum room, we had a vocal booth that we would put a guitar amp, and then we had kind of a weird kitchen area, but it also had had mic ins there. So we would put a bass amp in the kitchen area. So we would go those bass drums guitar live off the floor then we would overdub the second guitar and then we would do the vocals and 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 how we did vocals back then was not how we do it now is we would just sing through the whole song yeah and then we would go through it and be like "Mm, that that word didn't sound good let's punch in that and then we would do punch ins okay and then it's just done you know then you'd have a day to mix it and wow Wow. So I think it was in and out done in, in in three days, recorded and potentially mixed too. Wow. That's Shit amazing. Quick back then, you know. But that, yeah. that goes with the well, that goes with a bunch of things, right? The the the, the youth, the ignorance, the yeah, the budget. Yeah. There's a beauty you know? to that though, eh? Like it doesn't yeah. I don't think it compromises a lot of the artistic output. Like it's still very much there in the foreground, you know? Yeah. Listen, listening back on it, I'm sure you have your, do you have your, like, what do you think when you listen back to a lot of those early recordings? With, I try with not to listen to almost oh. everything I do. Oh, wow. Interesting. I, have, Interesting. I, I might have a bit of a mental condition. Okay. Uh, because might totally do. I, yeah. I have a hard time going back and listening to anything like new old something i did last week and like it's it's just hard for me because i'm gonna hear something okay i'm gonna want to fix it it's me it's probably easier with the old stuff because it's like so yeah 21 years ago and we did it in three days like yeah yeah yeah, it's not gonna be it's not gonna be perfect yeah yeah that's that's an interesting uh yeah, I love your brain, man. I love like observing it. Like whenever you <laughs> you whenever you've chatted about like some of the things that you, the way you go about it, you know, it, it fascinates me. Um, I, so so so, how many recordings would you say that you've done? Like you, wow. you, 
And I want to break into like, then you go from Harlow into Brampton and then into Kingston, but like, so yeah. we've got a lot more to unravel here, but how many recordings overall do you think you, you've had your hands in either mixing or, or tracking from, from, from start to finish? ballpark can you I, even, I, I can't even ballpark it man like you even i don't have a know. list like i would be you know so interested in that but do you even have like a nice catalog of all the projects you've you've been a part of whether it be mixing mastering or all all of the above well i i i have logged some notable stuff over the years but there's just been so much that it's hard to keep track of it all wow I, so i would oh geez i don't know how many recordings man i i can't it's I can't nuts move. I can't even fathom it, man. Well, it, yeah, lots, it's, lots, lots and lots and lots, lots, hundreds and maybe even thousands. I don't. That's nuts. Because to think of all the humans behind all of that, to think of all the relationships behind all of that, there's a lot. There's a lot there. It's almost like community building through through, like you, you have a lot of influence and and have have affected a lot of people's careers, right? It's it's just a really interesting role to be in um, from that side of production and and what you do. So. So when do yeah, you get right. the confidence to, uh, or, or or what drove you wanting to bring, to get out to start BWC Studios, and what does oh, BWC I, stand for? Brampton Wrecking Crew, which is something from the rap metal days of an old band, Grift. I was in. And, yeah, that's and I, okay. And when when I started the Brampton Studio, it just it was just kind of it was just kind of there. And I was like, well, that, that, that works. Let's just call it that. Uh, and it's stuck. And I mean, I don't mind it. Yeah, it works. Is that like, does that touch on like the wrecking crew? Like the, that, that uh, session band, like the famous session band? No, no. It was just, it was just something that uh, Grift had on a, huh. on a, on a shirt. It was more like a hardcore oh, band kind of slogan we had. You know what I mean? Okay. okay. We had a song called BWC um love it yeah, it was just it was just more of a hardcore metal thing that we had going on and it just seemed to work for the studio name and i asked theo the singer of grift like hey yeah you mind if i use this as a studio name and he was like Great. Uh, of course i love the evolution of like material of like something that now becomes like that's like your business name essentially bwc studios is yeah. like born out of this like very organic kind of just you know it's it's the name of a of a song and 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 boom and there's there's a wormhole right uh so yeah. so you bring it into your house and now like do, do the do the stakes start getting a little higher for you in terms of like oh man I'm I'm actually going to run this thing like a a studio and I I need a pipeline of like people coming through like how do you start shaping that whole thing or does that happen as naturally as getting the name for the studio did it seemed pretty natural at the time. Like I, I was so connected in the music community from Harlow. We did five years at Harlow. Five years. Okay. Okay. And I, at the time I was also working at Musicplex, the guitar store and okay. Long and Quaid. So there was just, everything was a big music connection. Yeah. And the bands I was in, we were jamming at Rumblefish Studios, the a rehearsal space. Yeah. We're playing lots of shows. I was working in the guitar store, working yep. at, I'd be working at Harlow Sound. I'd work the, you know, I'd work uh, 10 till nine at the guitar store. Then I'd go into the studio nine wow. till two in the morning. And wow. Wow. That's, that's show, it. You'd be rehearsing. It was just, it, it was just one big, huge community and it was, it was pretty strong. So there was no, 
Wow. There was no lack of people that wanted to come in the studio. There was, especially like since we kind of carved out this little niche of, of recording punk and metal and, and not everyone in studios wanted to work on that or knew what to do with it or had wow. any passion for it, you know, whatever, you know? So, yeah, yeah. So I think it's really was always welcome with us, uh, Steve and I. And then I guess when I went on my own, same thing. But I, it wasn't just that. There was, you know, uh, recording early Junction stuff at the first Brampton studio and yeah. their first demos and yeah, all kinds of all kinds of different stuff that was non-metal. Are you I with Are metal. you with Steve? Are you with Steve at that point in the first Brampton studio, or is that when you kind of go out no. on your own? No, I went solo and okay. Steve ended up getting a job at Rockstar Games. Okay. Doing, uh, right, I knew that. Doing yeah. audio okay. for video games, which he's, he's still there. Wow. Uh, and doing really well. Beautiful, really well. beautiful. How important is he in, in, in your life? It sounds like those early five years were like... Mega. Uh-uh, mega, man. Yeah, Steve, me- was, yeah. Steve was my, the ultimate mentor, like... Wow. Uh, so selflessly uh, showing me the ropes and teaching me everything and always so fucking stoked about it. Even to this day, like he helps every <laughs> studio computer I've built. Uh-huh. So I don't know how, how many over, you know, yeah. the last 20 years, yeah. five or six, maybe he's, he, he's helped me build everyone. And he's just gets like this last studio computer I built. Yeah. You know, he, uh, he just sends me all the parts list. He said, here's all the stuff you're going to buy. And wow. then he's like, then you're going to bring it up to my place. We're going to, we're going to spend three days putting this computer together and make sure it's perfect. Wow. He's That's, uh, still such, uh, uh, such a, I don't know, man, such a mentor and positive role model and, and such one of my best friends of all time. You know, he's just such a good dude. How great. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad, I'm glad I asked so that great. because it's so sounds- great. You need you need people like that, right? Like that are just like selfless and um, and stoked to make it happen for you, right? Like there's a like a there's a joy there. I'm sure he gets a real kick out of all of the work that you've done, right? Like like and what that leads to, right? So yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's exciting. And, and it certainly makes you kind of want to give that kind of stuff back whenever you get the opportunity to hmm. to do something good for someone else. That's 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 requiring assistance in in the music business uh, be it band or yeah or engineer for yep. young producers I, that's I, nice to hear i'm happy to give back anytime i can that's really nice to hear yeah um what are some of the notable projects then that you take on in, when you break out on your own and you're you're running those the first i mean basically sway over the the, the first two brampton studios those brampton years like what i know you you had a lot of success out of those studios right in terms of let's talk about a few of those sure sure well anytime working with monine was always great um certainly was kind of involved in almost everything they did uh you know even if they were going into like you know they went to california to record with a big producer out there but i still helped them with all their pre-production and yeah yeah demoing and stuff like that and so all anytime working with Monine was always was always great. Um, one of the the bigger records coming out of uh, the Brampton Studios was the the Mare EP, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which just uh, had a big write up in uh, Decibel Magazine about uh, you know kind of um, cult 
status albums. Yeah, yeah. Which is yeah. pretty damn cool because they wrote a fairly big, like, three-page article on the record and interviewed me, interviewed the band, and right. That was uh, that was a pretty special record to work on. And Let, let's let's play something from that. That sounds uh, that's exciting. You want to share? Uh, sure. Share something. Play play anything off that album. Of course, I don't know any of the song titles. Yeah, great. Here comes the first tune off of uh, of Mar. What what's the name of that record? I think it's self titled. Mar self-titled.
All right. Well, that was yeah. That was that was Mar, and and uh, and and you're still in touch with Tyler. You've done some project with him since from Mare. Um, yeah, I actually talked to him uh, last week. He's going to do a little guest of uh, guest vocal appearance on that's this exciting new project I'm putting together. A band called Grail. Oh wow! I, I uh, formed this project over the kind of lockdown. Okay. Great. When the kind of studio was shut down and no one was doing anything. So I yeah. started this little online uh, project, which turned into a band. Beautiful. And, Beautiful. Uh, I asked a few. Can you share some of that? Like, can we play that on, on the podcast or is that not sure, released? Sure. Why yet? not? Yeah. Why let's. Not? Okay. Um, Maybe uh, we'll end with some, some grail because that's like some of the freshest stuff that we're going to hear. That yeah. Would be, that would be great. I'm really stoked on the Grail. It turned out amazing. Awesome. We got some amazing guest appearances on it. Uh, mm-hmm. Dave Davidson from Revocation does a solo. Luke Roberts from Gargoyle does a solo. Oh wow! We have uh, Tyler from Mare is going to do a little guest vocal. We have Rob Urbanetti from the iconic Canadian thrash band Sacrifice. Uh, oh I man. See- Sent him some stuff to do a little vocal part on it, just four lines. But yeah, yeah, awesome. Super awesome. excited that he was into it. Uh, That's great. Yeah, That's really great. That's really great. And and that was one of my questions for you is kind of how are you you holding up? How has it changed uh, the way you do what you do? So we'll we'll talk about that when we set it up at the at the end. But sure, yeah. But uh, that was really nice to hear that mayor recording. What are some other? Um, some other notable things that went, I know it's really hard to reflect on your career in, in real time and, and, and look at yeah, it that way, it but like some, some of the, some of the notable projects that would have come through, maybe sure. looking at it from a lens of like working with pe- new people working with um, old friends and how that would have changed your dynamics. And then also working with difficult people, which you kind of already spoke about with the Harlow example of that beer thing in terms of how you, you coped with it, but just, yeah, kind of reflecting on some of your memories from that Brampton studio. Yeah. Well, there's tons, there's, there's tons, uh, working, doing the record with, uh, the end. So the end, uh, we did a record called elementary. We also did a record with the end, at Harlow Sound, when that's when we first started working together, and then, okay. then they got signed to Relapse Records, and and Relapse is a notable label still yeah. is today, but yeah. they were, I think, even more notable back then. So okay, so when we did this, their last record, Elementary, they they had a fair budget, so they blocked out the studio for for ten weeks. That's nice. And it's really uh, nice to have that, eh? Made, that chunk of time. We made, we made a great record. We, we, that, this is, we made a great record. I can, I can listen to this and I don't hear one thing that bothers me when I listen. Let, to let, we're going to play something now from the end. Here, here it is from Elementary, uh, a random track. The first, we'll play first tracks because that, yeah, that, that makes I, sense. I, I, Dangerous is the first track. Well, I the, know Gerg, Gerg, Gerg knew it. I remember.
That was dangerous from the end. Wow, thanks, Gerg. Um, amazing going down memory lane here with you and, and the spanning of, what, 30 years making just heavy, think, Yeah, 20, heavy music. 25 years. Around 25, 25 years, years of, of, of wow. in music, yeah. And I guess around 20 years of full-time, you know, okay. not needing another job. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. I'm super thankful for yeah yeah definitely uh, and i mean it, you know it's been beautiful observing your work i know we've done like pretty much everything that i've put out has had your your stamp on it and yeah well that was that that was one what what i was going to mention next was yeah working with you is awesome uh because it just took me uh out of my comfort zone and and in this whole new world of uh recording these different instruments especially the early stuff it was yeah, nothing was even a plug-in instrument, right? There's a right. lot of right. and harpsichord and and harp and banjo and and just getting to record all those instruments and make records with you and it's been a great journey and it's and it's been uh, you've always given me a, a you know a long leash for uh, for creative input too, which has been fucking awesome to just yeah, be able to experiment and to try things and work with these incredible musicians on this weird music. I I've loved every second of it, man, for real. Yeah. Back at you. I mean, I like my, my re reflection, just observing it though, has always been really, it's just been beautiful. Kind of the, the setting that, that you create. Uh, and I've not had the chance. Well, we mixed a record at, at your Kingston uh, studio, but we, yeah. we haven't recorded there yet, but, but all those Brampton records that we made were just so beautiful. Just your family being in the mix. Right. And then this yeah. weird musical family that you'd bring over into the basement of like, you know, it, it felt kind of circus like at times, but you were just so, and have remained just so naturally into it, your your entire family kind of immersed in it. And I don't know, there's something really charming about about that. You know, I, I think that, you know, you talk about 10 weeks, spending 10 weeks with a band or on and off, we've booked so many sessions that it's like, I, I just find it very beautiful the way you, uh, you've you designed your life, your work-life balance and the whole thing, right? It just doesn't seem like work, it seems like play, and it's fully integrated and, and the, your whole family's kind of behind it, which I really appreciate. Yeah, they are. They, and yeah, they, they were, they're still that way, which is, it's, it's a little more difficult now with them being the ages they are, the kids, right? Sure, sure. Uh, 11 and f almost 15. So it's just, yeah, yeah. they, but yeah, they don't, uh, they don't bat an eye at it. You know, they're just like, oh, yeah, it's normal. There's yeah. a, a bunch of yeah. loud noise happening. Yeah. Yeah, you know. the scariest music known to man is happening right now, like in some of that Panzer, Panzerfaust. I remember yeah. when you played me some of that music, I just thought, this isn't so scary and beautiful. Scary. Yeah, it is. And beautiful. they're growing up around that. It's like, hey, this is the music dad's a part of making, right? It's, right. it's yeah. quite beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it's totally weird. But it's cool, man. It's cool. I, I mean, do, 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 do you... Do you think of yourself as like, I know you've carved out a, a name for yourself in like the heavier um, genres of music, right? Um, mm -hmm. Is that, is that something that just came naturally or is that something that you, that just, I don't know, like how does that, 
it's not it's not the only thing you're known for. I think that in a, in a way that might have been like why I was reluctant to work with you at first yeah. to just go, "Oh man, maybe is it is it just a like that's certainly not the only trick you can pull, right? It's like it's No. I don't know. It, I don't know. It, it's uh No, it's not. I'm comfortable with everything, but it's I think it is certainly um it requires a certain amount of experience and skill and love of that music to be good at that. So I, yeah. I, I attract a lot of, of bands like that um, just because I'm, I'm super comfortable with it and I'm super stoked and I understand what they're trying to do. And I'm not, I don't like to think of myself as, as kind of a one sound kind of metal producer either, you know, like, yeah, because I'll do like a black metal band and that requires a different sound. A death metal band requires a different sound. A doom band requires a different sound. So a yeah. lot of metal producers, and I'm not wow. trying to put myself above them, but a lot of them, like they have this sound. Oh, that's, that's the so-and-so's kick drum and snare sound. And yeah, but like if I need to work with a band like Otis and we need to go for that super bassy, almost dull, doomy guitar tone you know with with a certain use of reverbs and and the kick and snare have to be a certain way and the room mics have to be a certain way and yeah it's, it's a it's a different sound and then when you work with a death metal band and there's crushing kick drums and you need a different uh you just need a completely different sound so i welcome all the heavy and i feel comfortable with all of it but i also welcome everything yeah, you know? uh, yeah. But, I, but i'm certainly very comfortable with aggressive music, extreme music. Yeah. And you haven't really had to, um, like that's all, that's all been a natural progression over the 25 years, the 20 to 25 years. Like, like you haven't really branded yourself or marketed yourself in that niche. It's just kind of happened naturally through the work. work, eh? Yeah. And I think it's just a, it's, that's beautiful. It's just a word of mouth. It's always been word of mouth. There's been, I love that little to no advertising. It just, Jeez. you know, working with bands that are kind of getting in vans and playing shows and putting out yeah. records. Yeah. Uh, and then they have their communities and then their, their yeah. friends and friends and bands, they hear their, the, their music and they're like, Oh, who did, Oh, you gotta, you gotta go see uh, Greg. And yeah, it's, it's all a, a, a pretty organic thing you know, the, the workflow that happens, it's changing this year. That's for sure. Sure. But, uh, that's, that's a, that's a whole different story. That Tell me though, you're, you're, um, you talked about the anxiety in the early years is much different than the anxiety now. And then you also talked about like, you're better at communicating. So like a new band comes through referred from a band that knows you pretty deeply. Yeah. What do you, what is your communication to welcome them to? Cause you're, you're confident in your skin to say, this is the lay of the land in order for me to produce a great record for you. This is what I kind of want to, this is the setup that I need. Right. Yeah. So how, how has that kind of, how has that confidence developed over the years? Cause I, I, I see it. I know you've talked, talked a lot about it with me about how y- your approach to it is much more, it just seems wiser or like, like. Yeah. A, it's just experience. Yeah. Just, yeah. Uh, with every mistake you gotta learn from it right uh you know and uh the more records you do the more people you work with the more you know how you want a session to flow and there's just so many variables you know and and just communication is just so key to lay everything out yeah 
And so you, you lay out like the stuff that irritates you. It's like, Hey, I'd rather not everybody be in the studio for that. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. Everything. I talk about everything, (laughs) every, everything that you can possibly think of that would happen in a, in a session. I want to talk about, I want to be clear on, Mm. so there's no surprises and everything's just up front out in the open straight away. And then if you don't like, how I'd like to do things, then, you know, it might not be a good fit. You know, if mm-hmm. someone feels that like, Oh no, I, I need to be there the whole time you mix mm-hmm. and we're not going to, we're not going to do a record. Nice. You know what I mean? Like, fair enough. Fair enough. I have, I think they I've, appreciate that. I, I think I've, I've, I've earned the, you know, the way I like to mix a record. That's, I'm just talking mixing right now. I want to mix by my, I don't want anyone there. Yeah. How I mix yeah. it's like, and I'll say, this is how I mix. I'm going to yeah. mix it alone. Yeah. I'm going to send you the mixes. Yeah. You're gonna make mix notes and we're going to go back and forth as many yeah. times as we have to. Okay. Sometimes it's once, sometimes it's three or four times just to get it all like to their liking. In the end, I'm always going to do what the band wants to do. But if they've chosen me to mix, they've heard yeah. my stuff. They know what I can do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've chosen yeah, yeah. me for a reason. So if yeah. you if you like what I've done and if you want to get similar results, don't be here. Do you do you have I know I'm like a a lifer with you. It's like I consider you to be just like if I'm doing a project, I yeah. want you on it, right? Somehow, some way, right? Thank you. How many of me are there? Oh, like, do you have a lot of re- do you have a lot of return clients? I imagine you do. So many. So many and some for so many years. It's yeah, lovely. It's it, just it has to be that way. Well, that, that's for a reason, right? It's touching, man. It's really nice. Like, but I always welcome anyone. You know, if they're like, if they're not a hundred percent satisfied, or if they feel that they might get their sound on their next record, uh, you know, tweaked a little better with someone else. Oh, please. You know, yeah. I would not take offense to that at all. I want bands to grow in any way they, you know, they want to. You know what I mean? I, I don't expect people to come back to me if they if they're not a hundred percent. But I do. Yeah, so many. You know, so many return guys. And sometimes it's 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 not just the recording. Sometimes it's uh, mm-hmm. you know, oh, you know, we we recorded this one on our own, but yeah. we would really like you to mix it. So they still reach out to me for to be involved some way. And that's great, man. Uh, I love return clients because there's, we've already built that relationship and that, right. that mm-hmm. comfort level. And we know yeah. we made a record together. So it's, yeah. it's, it's pretty beautiful. We know how we, how we communicate well together. We've, we've got past that initial yeah. introduction and communication yeah. and we, and, and we've already established a good workflow together and it's, chances are the second one's going to go even smoother, you know, and yeah. efficient. Or the 10th one. Or the 10th one. <laughs> so you moved to Kingston after, uh, you know, a few coming up. in years at, our, at the last yeah. studio, at the last home yeah. of Brampton, in the D section of Brampton, Bramalee. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that was a big step. And how has that changed the way you do what you do, you know, two and a half hours outside of the greater Toronto area. Oh, well, to be honest, it hasn't changed much. 
I'm still hmm. getting a, a majority of my clients from the GTA. It's more that the kind of industry has changed more than, you know, the mm -hmm. move has changed it. You know what I mean? It's just mm -hmm. people are making their own records a lot more. Okay. That has been one thing that's changed. Like, you know, when, when we first started Harlow and the initial Brampton studio, like yeah. people didn't have home studios. Right, right. Now uh, almost every band has at least one member mm -hmm. that has a recording setup. Right. And fancies themselves, you know, a, a yeah. novice or intermediate level engineer. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I do a lot more post production work, and I quite like it. I, I almost prefer it. Um, I love mixing. Mm -hmm. I love mixing. I love mastering. I really love mixing, though. Mixing's my favorite. Making a record, producing a record, recording a record is great. But it's the stress level and the amount of, of energy mentally that goes into producing a record is very, yeah. very high. Yeah, it's a, it's a it, stick it, of minor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is stressful. Yeah. Uh, if you really care about it, it's right. stressful. Um, right. It's super fun and super rewarding, like making the records that are coming out now that I worked on last year. Yeah. I, I look back and I'm proud of them and I, and I love the experience, but it was, uh, there was stressful moments like making those Panzerfaust records are, they're stressful. They're big records, man. There's, yeah. there's a lot kind of at stake, you know, like they're putting in so much time and effort and money and they got this big label, bigger label from Germany, putting in all this money. They're going on tours when there's not, yeah. uh, you know, a pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, uh, they're putting a lot of their life into these records. So, and they're very demanding sound-wise. Yeah, man. Very. Demanding. Let's let's play something from that. This is some of the scariest music you'll ever hear. The, this is uh, from their latest Panzerfaust record. You wanna you wanna set it up, Gerg? Sure. Um, it, you know, I'd like to say first we're doing it's a four album release we're working on. So, we've and this is album two. two? Okay. This is album two. We're we're about to start chapter three. So it's a four Very cool. chapter, four albums all under one umbrella called The Sons of Perdition. So The Sons of Perdition chapter two is out now. Fucking can't remember what it's called. It's I'm called the, the, son, the Sons of Tradition? Perdition. Tra the Sons of Tradition. Perdition. <laughs> yeah, fucker.
Wow, well, that was from the Sons of Perdition uh, album two by Panzerfaust. Yeah. And that's, as I said, like you played some of that for me early. I love that about you. I love the fact that you're always um, sharing work that you're working on. If we're working on something, like you're checking things out. And I realized I got an email from a, one of the members of Otis recently saying, hey, I've heard a lot of your music through Gerg. Like, I feel like you're doing that with my stuff when you're working on their stuff. And it's just like sure an yeah. on, ongoing cycle of like Gerg shares. That's kind of how things go, right? That's if it's working properly. I, I think that, that every, we're all propping each other up and celebrating each other's work. There's something beautiful to that, you know? It's, yes. It should always I really be believe like that. in that. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. The, the early years of, of recording, uh, you know, I'm younger, I'm 51 now. So the earlier years, there's, there's more ego and there's, yeah, there's yeah, a bit yeah. of a competitive spirit that sure, 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 that sure. has been, I would say a hundred percent eliminated because I got no time for that bullshit. Like I only want to pump other people up, nice. Uh, nice. Even, uh, other engineers and mastering guys, mixing guys, producers. Yeah. Sure. Why wouldn't I? And that leads to more work. I, I firmly believe if, if you are that competitive, if you do have that competitive edge to your, to your, to your game, it's like, realize that too, that you're, you're doing, you're, you're only hurting yourself. I think by being a, I, I want to think that anyways, you know, who knows, maybe some of these climbers in the industry would, would beg to differ. Right. But, um, I like the way you roll. I think that's the longer game for me. That's I like think so. The, yeah. Be positive and, and yeah, support, yeah. support people. And uh, if someone decides, you know, to go somewhere else, like I, I worked with a guy recently in the last couple of years and, uh, and he decided to do some recording with, she's uh, what's his name? Colin, Colin Young. Okay. Uh, he works in the, I guess in the, we'll just say the GTA. Mm-hmm. Great engineer, great producer. He plays in a band called Hammerhands, and his sounds are great. I love his sounds. Great, great. So they're just, yeah. There you go. Go there make a go. record with them. So they there called him mixing. So I'm less like, there you so go, win-win. right? Win, 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 win. I get to mix Colin's work. Colin's amazing. That's beautiful. So That's uh, really great. I, I just, uh, yeah, I got no time for that. That well, that that was kind of one of my. I I wanted to I wanted to look at you know the the podcast is called Industry Tactics, and I think you've touched on a lot of that, like in terms of like recommending to younger folk who wanted who do want to get into to to music, like what what you would share with them as a as kind of a nugget of wisdom that you've picked up along the way. I mean that that shedding of ego certainly starts that conversation. Any, anything else that you would recommend, saying you know someone wants to get into music, into, into production, into, into kind of your realm of maybe some of the heavier stuff too. Any, any words of wisdom? Huh. Given the, the world as it is right now too, you know, um, upside down. <laughs> yeah, that's a, t- that's a tough question, man. I, I would just yeah. say just work a lot, you know, just, just make a lot of music, work as much as you can, be as creative as you can. And, I like and, it. Uh, and golf yourself in it, you know? I mean, I think that's one of the keys mm. for me, finding any success was just, I was just immersed in it. You know, I was go- working at the guitar store, going into the studio, working for free, uh, just just doing it nonstop, you know? Love it. There, there was barely time to party. The party was at the studio, you know? 
Would you go cheesy and say that music kind of uh, saved your life? Are you one of would you, do you go that far in, in, in that it, it played such a strong role in your formative years? Yeah, sure, of course. Great, good. Yeah, yeah, I love it. You know, you get I get to do something I love all the time and and make a you know make a half decent living. You you texted Amazing. me recently the 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 project that you did with um the metal injection mag magazine that, 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 that had you mix a song featuring members of Mastodon and others, Gargoyle and m many others. Uh, you, you texted yeah. me saying, uh, I'm having an, uh, I'm not worthy moment. Yeah, sure. I, well, you have a bit of self doubt, eh? Which I think is healthy. I really do. I, I like, sure. do you, I don't think you re deep down. I hope you don't believe that though, that you are well, worthy. Eh? No, no, deep down, I don't believe that. But, yeah. you know, it's just... Um, it's a holy shit moment, for sure, though. For sure, you know, to get, yeah. a, to get a call from uh, Dave Davidson of Revocation at Garbo and say, hey, man, like, I'm, I'm doing this Megadeth cover with the singer of Mastodon and the bass player of Death Clock and he, the, the guy who toured with, with uh, Zappa plays Zappa. Yeah, it and just goes deep, eh? It's like, holy shit. Uh, so he was like, I, I think it'd be great for you to mix it. Would you be interested? I'm like, oh, fuck. Hell yeah. But just to think of the the people that, that all those guys have access to and then yeah. them calling me for the mix was, yeah, it was very nice. And and you get that gig through the relationship network that you have built. Yes. W working with Dave Davidson on his band Gargoyle. Right. So Revocation being, I guess, his number one band and Gargoyle okay. being his well, second, awesome. I guess. So yeah, we I mixed that the Gargoyle record and also recorded the guitars for it. So it was done. It was done. Um, the vocals were done in Toronto. The drums were done at God City in mm. New York, I guess. And yeah. guitars. Dave flew up here to do the guitars, which was also bananas. Like who, who's flying up from New York to record guitars with me? So I get those like moments like, well, Fuck. why, awesome. why me? But Hey yeah. man, it's cool, man. I guess I'm getting some good guitar tones. <laughs> totally you, totally you. And can we play it? Can we play that track? Is it accessible or, or would there sure, be yeah, like a... yeah. You should play the gargoyle stuff. You All right, let's, let, let's do that. Out. Check out, check out the metal injection. Uh, if you go to Gerg's Facebook, which is look up BWC Studios on Facebook. Uh, he has a new website coming out too. Check that out, the Metal Injection uh, tune. Yeah. But yeah, let's play some Gargoyle here. In, yeah, Plastic in Nothing is a really wacky track. Plastic Nothing. Here it is yeah. from Gargoyle. Great.
harmony work it's just these guys are weapons man thank you for sharing that that was gargoyle plastic nothing holy shit you're you're, you're all over the map here of heavy um thank you for sharing this has been a delightful uh discussion we haven't really chatted on uh how you've been kind of coping but uh through the pandemic but we are going to end with grail which is a i think a very hopeful discussion around what to do in a pandemic, which is stay creative, you know, um, where do you see yourself going? My last question for you is your next, some of your next steps. How do you want to grow as an artist? Uh, you know, now in your early fifties, been doing this for some 25 years plus, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, as a, as a engineer and producer, I, I just want to keep going. I want to keep working. Mm-hmm. I'm like far from feeling done with it at all. Uh, I do love post-production. Mm-hmm. I would like to focus a little more on, on mixing and mastering and, and take on just a handful of producing projects a year where, because I know how I want to work on a record from starting from ground, you know, the bottom up, you know, like, so mm. I, but yeah, I just want to keep going. I want to keep going. And, and as far as a, uh, you know, a guitar player and a artist that way, I, the same. I just want to keep creating, man. I love yeah. this rail thing that, that happened by sort of accident. And I'd like to keep creating with these guys, uh, good, good, making, good. making music online and, and old, yeah. old, yeah. have a record coming out. It's out getting pressed right now. We're, we're putting out a record on seeing red records. Awesome. It's out getting pressed on vinyl and I'd like to somehow try to keep creating with them, even though we're scattered, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. you know, where there's a will, there's a way, right? That's it. That's it. And, um, well, thank you for sharing. It's been, uh, it's nice to, to kind of take a stroll down memory lane. I know you do have a website coming, uh, that's coming out. Um, do you have a, uh, an address that we can share as people will listen to this? I don't yet. I haven't, I haven't, uh, purchased a domain name yet. What's that been like kind of getting your website up and running? I know I said I had one question, but just, just to get all your work, I assume you're trying to kind of put a lot of your work under one roof and get it kind of organized that way. What's that been like to kind of reflect on your career to date? 
um, I've just been squirrely. Like that, that you know, making mm-hmm. this kind of stuff is not my favorite. Like, oh uh, yeah, promoting and just you know, like, uh, just yeah. No, I, I haven't loved the whole experience. Okay, let's get a photographer. Okay, let's hire a web designer and yeah, and yeah, let yeah. let's write a bunch of things about myself like let's do a bio let's do up my services let's how are we gonna I could see that I, yeah yeah it's just uh it's not fun to me as you've grown what you do out of word of mouth that's not like necessarily a natural uh approach, no it's not it? it's yeah. not i i think it's a i want to extend my reach uh, yeah, because yeah, yeah you know the there's so much you can do especially mixing and mastering there's so much you could do with just sending files online, you know, I could be, I'm mixing, I mixed a record for some dudes in Edmonton mm-hmm. uh, and Calgary this year, two, two different bands. So, you know, oh. just the, the internet's great. Yeah. So I want to extend my reach and I think um, a website's a good way to do that. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, 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 I guess I'm due. Well, look up in the meantime, if you're interested in, in Gerg's work, look up BWC Studios on Facebook. That's probably the best way to get him. Yeah, and Instagram I'll, too. Yeah. You know, I got an Instagram. And look at, up uh, the website BWC Studios uh, in the future if you're listening to this. Look him You'll up. Find it. Hire find him. It. Uh, highly recommended. He'll, he'll make your project just sound that much better. Thanks. Well, that was a thrill. Uh, thanks, Gerg. You know, we yeah. love you. You know, we love you. I love you too, man. Thanks for chatting. I, I, I hope it was interesting enough. Here, here. We'll end it on a note of self-doubt. <laughs> and we'll end it on that laugh. Thanks again, Gerg, for sharing. And uh, follow us on Twitter at Industry Tactics. Learn more about my work at FriendlyRich.com. And if you want to dig into Gerg's catalog, check him out on Facebook. Look up BWC Studios. That was episode 90. We're going to get back to our um, our deep dive into the uh, the work of Doug Friesen and music education in the next episode. Thanks again for coming along for the ride. And we're going to end it with Gerg's quarantine, one of his quarantine projects. This is his new band called Grail. Hope you dig it. Mm-hmm.